salam to you peace lovers and peacemakers. This is Sarah Jamshidi. Welcome to Peace Mindedly Podcast. For this episode, I am talking with Dr. Sophia Rahman, an independent scholar of Islam and writer of A Treasury of Aisha, a guidance from the beloved of the beloved, a pocket book about Aisha, Prophet Muhammad's third wife. In this book, Rehman shows Aisha's contributions to Islam, not only as a woman, but as a thoughtful and wise teacher of early Islam. Rehman compiled 40 of Aisha's statements in five different categories with commentary for the modern Muslim seekers. She also has a book that is due for publication with the Oxford University Press this winter. It's titled Gendering the Hadith Tradition, Recentering the Authority of Aisha, Mother of the Believers. I talked with Dr. Sophia Rehman about a treasury of Aisha and her attempt to bridge the gap between Islamic scholarship and the general public. Uh, Sophia, I am very, very interested to see what happened and why you got interested in Aisha and decided to write a book about her. Mm. So Aisha bint Abi Bakr, uh, for me, has been uh, a figure that has always interested me, intrigued me, Um, you know, her position as the most beloved wife of the Prophet has meant that I have found a natural curiosity about her, um, but I can't say that I found much that satisfied that curiosity in terms of the books that were available to me growing up or even as I pursued my own Islamic studies. Um, Sophia, uh, can you tell me natural curiosity, you said, uh, mm -hmm. how come? Tell me a bit more. So I think uh, it was a natural curiosity more just because the religion seemed so male dominated. Um, all the stories that we heard growing up were inspiring and beautiful and laden with wisdoms and you know lessons for us um, but they often revolved around the prophets and all of the prophets that I was taught about were men um, even in terms of the seerah or the biography of the prophet Muhammad peace be upon him even with that it was mainly men <laughs> you know I, I, um, and even Allah in some way was constructed as male adjacent, you know, uh, of course, not a man, but always referred to as he. And being a girl, being a woman, uh, I wanted to connect with somebody who was at least somewhat more familiar and similar to myself. So I think that's what I mean by natural curiosity. You know, there's, there's this urge to find someone that is closer to who you are and might reflect the kinds of interests or concerns or questions that you have and whilst that may not have been at the fore of my mind as a child certainly as I grew older uh, as I you know <laughs> sort of experienced more of the world's more uh, challenging aspects you know getting married having children coming across different people uh, having to manage relationships working all of these different environments and and experiences that can be so fulfilling but also come with their own challenges i needed somebody that i could look to to speak to my experience of these things as a woman 
and as a woman of faith. Um, and so that's what I mean by a natural curiosity. Uh, yes. Uh, so, but I'm just curious to know, do you know any other women in your Islamic studies that are um, as significant as Aisha? I don't think anybody is as significant as her. I think her position as the uh, most beloved wife of the Prophet puts her in a particular position. I also think that, you know, just her intelligence and her acumen puts her again in a different position. I think her um, her proximity to the Prophet being there, having seen him uh, go through various milestones of his own life, including um, his death, uh, puts her in a very unique position. I think there are women who are, in, you know, just indisputably important to to us uh, as Muslims. So his first wife, Khadija, radiallahu anha, or another wife, um, uh, um Salama, for no, no doubt she was also important. Um, but Aisha has a unique presence as a scholar of Islam. You know, um, the the Prophet, peace be upon him, is even reported to have said, you know, take half of your faith from Aisha. So she had, she definitely had a distinct position when it came to the preservation of the teachings of the Prophet ﷺ. So of course, all of the wives and many of the, you know, and the daughter of the Prophet ﷺ, um, Fatima radiallahu in particular, um, who was his favorite daughter, you know, there were many women who held a special place in the heart of the Prophet ﷺ and who we owe much to uh, in terms of our own uh, understanding of Islam, but no one, in my estimation, reaches the the position of Aisha. Um, yes, here, but Sophia, here's the here's the trick. He's always been referred to as the uh, wife of prophet, and never mm -hmm. as an independent person or mm -hmm. independent scholar. Mm -hmm. How would you how would you reconcile that? I don't think it's necessary to reconcile that because I mm -hmm. think that she is um, she herself very much identifies as the prophet's wife. Um, she very much sees that that is the thing that l allows her to be able to leverage her authority in the community. Um, and at the same time, that is that you know that is the very thing that has always given her the position. Uh, that she has had in in the community i'm sure that even if she hadn't been a wife of the prophet she would certainly have been uh, significant in her own way just because she was such an intelligent and courageous woman in and of herself um so i think she you know she would always have made a wave regardless um mm -hmm. but this is how we know her. We do know her because she was the wife of the Prophet and we do know her because that is the thing she made her life's mission to be, is to maintain and uphold, you know, his message. When after and she really comes into her own when the Prophet peace peace and blessings be upon him passes away. Mm -hmm. So once he's passed away, you know, this is when you really see her. I mean, this is when she really starts to come into her own. She acts as an advisor to the first caliph, to her, her father, Abu Bakr. She acts as an advisor to Omar, the second caliph. And then um, Uthman, she is not a, um, an advisor to per se in the sense that she was with, with the first two caliphs, but she really holds him to account and she really exerts her political agency. Um, a question. Um, how old was she when Prophet died? Do you know? 
Okay, so this is obviously that it's dependent on how old you Mm. one believes she was when she married the prophet. And of Mm. course, this is a contentious issue. Um, There are those that say that she was as young as seven. Some say that she was um, 10, you know, like this very, very young age is thrown about. Um, There is other contextual uh, evidence that would indicate that she was older, somewhere closer to 18 maybe closer even to 20 um and we we can't be sure um because you know they didn't there's there's not not a historical record of that in the way that you know now we tend to uh record these things um so i mean my um view is that she would have been older because of the how old i would say that she was probably in her 20s she's more likely to have been in her 20s than than younger than that uh, it's it's just not logical that she could have witnessed the things that she uh is recorded to have witnessed and to have spoken about in the way that she did if she witnessed them at seven <laughs> it's just not possible for a child to have seen and relayed them the way that she did to have memorized quran in the way that she did uh, and, and, and sorry, not just to memorize it, to have witnessed certain revelation if she was younger than than is stated. Um, so, yeah, I would say that she was probably in her 20s when she married the prophet, uh, peace be upon him. And then, of course, that's, um, you know, she, she dies some some 15 uh, years after, after, sorry, he dies some 15 years after that. So we can have her at the sort of 35 40 year mark um, and so for her to lose her husband at that age and to then take on the mantle of protecting and preserving his message I think is is much more in line with sort of the you know the 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 timeline that Allah you, you know uses and utilize for the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him yes. as well. So how did you find those 40 statements and uh, what was the uh, reason behind choosing these 40s? So the, well, 40 is the format of this series that I was contributing to. So this is a, uh, it's called the Treasury Series uh, by Cube Publishing. And they... Here is the very good segue to tell me a delicious story about how you received uh, such requests. Can, can we also go through that? Of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, so the, 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 series is all set up so that each book is 40 statements on whatever the given topic is. Um, so for example, my husband, Dr. Mustafa Sheikh, wrote a, a, a treasury of Ibn Taymiyyah because his own research had been on Ibn Taymiyyah. Um, there's another one on uh, Imam Ghazali. There's another one on Rumi. So there's a, there's a few. There were six already um, by the time I had finished my PhD thesis and I said to my husband, you know, I'd submitted my thesis and we were sitting having brunch and I said to my husband, you know what, the the Treasury series is such an excellent standard of publication in Islamic um, publications, but it's missing... Um, uh, it's missing a title about a woman and written by a woman. There's nothing about uh, a woman and there's nothing written by a woman. So, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to uh, propose to them that they should have one on Aisha and I would like to write it. And he agreed. He was like, yeah, I think that's a great idea. And, you know, we finished off our brunch and then we both went our separate ways. And I opened up my laptop 
and you know how there's a there's a Jewish saying actually you know from your mouth to God's ears and I feel like that's exactly what happened because I opened my laptop and I had a message from a colleague of mine um, in my in the theology department who happened to have been working uh, at Q Publications and he said to me look I know you've been working on Aisha and I know that you've just submitted your thesis and I would love if you would write a treasury for us on the statements of Aisha and I was just you know I was just in shock I couldn't believe that oh gosh this is you know just only 15 minutes earlier I was saying to my husband that I want to do this and I hadn't mentioned this to anybody else and then you know I opened my laptop and there's this this message it was just incredible but to your question about how I chose these 40 hadith what I decided to do was to uh, split the uh the contents of the book into five themes um, and then I had a final section which is a, a standalone section uh, entitled at the first sign of hardship the believers refuges in Allah and that speaks specifically to the incident of the slander that Aisha experienced uh, as a young wife of the Prophet Muhammad. What was the slander? Uh, so the slander was when she was you know, uh, a young woman, and she had accompanied the Prophet, peace be upon him, uh, on a journey. And the Prophet would often do this with his wives. He would take them on a journey. You know, if he was if he was traveling, um, he they would draw lots, and one of them would would go with the Prophet, peace be upon him. And so she had been chosen on this one expedition. And on the way back, um, as they you know, as they were traveling back. The caravan stopped, you know, and Aisha had come out of her palanquin that was on the camel um, and had gone off to relieve herself. And when she came back, she realized that she had dropped her necklace. It was a necklace that her mother had given to her. Uh, so she had run back to see if she would dropped it when she'd gone to relieve herself. And when she came back, she found that the caravan had left. Everybody had gone without her and they hadn't noticed that she wasn't in her palanquin. Um, so she was worried, but she was confident that they would realize that they'd made a mistake and they'd come back to find her. So Aisha says she just decided to sit and wait for the caravan to return. Um, but while she was waiting, you know, she started to get tired and she ended up falling asleep. Uh, and sometime later, she heard um, the voice of a man. Uh, and she looked up and she realized this was uh, a companion of the prophets called Safwan ibn al-Mu'attal. Uh, and he had been a young soldier. He was a handsome man. He was a, a, a bachelor. But, you know, neither of them really exchanged many words. He recognized her as the wife of the Prophet Sallallahu And he had purposefully been um, following the caravan at a delay. This was standard practice in case anything was left behind or dropped or forgotten. And in this case, you know, he finds Aisha. Anyway, she uh, narrates that, you know, um, she, she mounts uh, his camel and he leads the camel into Medina. When they arrive in Medina, there are certain what we call the hypocrites uh, and the enemies of, of the Prophet ﷺ who see this sight of the young wife of the Prophet ﷺ traveling on a camel being led by this handsome young soldier and, you know, tongues start wagging, they, they, they start this, this terrible gossip, these salacious lies about her and uh, Safwan. Um, 
But you know, sadly, Aisha, she falls sick, or perhaps not sadly, maybe it was a blessing for her. She falls sick upon returning. And she says that she, you know, she had no idea that this horrible gossip was being, you know, passed through Medina like a wildfire. Um, and so whilst there's this, you know, horrible, uh, you know, gossip, uh, you know, the city is ablaze with this gossip. Aisha's just in her room entirely unaware. And she says the only clue that she realizes that, that something is wrong is that the prophet is a little bit distant from her. And, you know, she even says, you know, I wasn't aware of anything of these rumors, but she said I could feel in my heart that something wasn't right because I wasn't getting the usual sort of attention from the messenger of Allah that I would get when I was ill. Um, and so after a few days, she, she asks him if she can just go back to her parents' house to rest up. And it's while she's there that she finds out that there's this awful rumor uh, being spread about her and she is horrified and she's crying and she's pleading with her mother and her father and then the prophet comes and he suggests to her that you know look if you've done something wrong it's okay just repent uh, and you'll be forgiven and this you know just it 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 breaks her heart even more she is even more distraught because she can see that you know, even the prophet has started to perhaps not necessarily believe the lies, but he's being affected by the lies. And her parents as well are encouraging her to just repent too. And she's not having any of that. You know, she's she is not going to ask for forgiveness for something she has not done. She is not going to be considered guilty by, you know, salacious slander. Um, and so she says, you know, I just turned to Allah and I made dua and I asked Allah to reveal the truth to the Prophet, peace be upon him. And she says, you know, the most that she hoped for was maybe Allah would send a dream to him or a vision to him. She did not, ex you know, she had no expectation that, you know, Allah would reveal verses to exonerate her. And of course, these are um, in Surah An-Nur, it's verses 11 through to 20. And at this point, I really find this very endearing and quite funny and very sweet and relatable that when these verses are revealed and she is publicly exonerated by Allah, um, the her mother goes running to her. She says, oh, Aisha, you've been exonerated. Allah has revealed these verses, um, you know, declaring your innocence. Um, you know, go to the prophet. She says, go to the prophet and, you know, rejoice with him. And um, Aisha says, you know, uh, Aisha refuses. She refuses to get up and go. And she says, no, by Allah, I will not go to him. And I praise no one but Allah. You know, and so I, I love that because it is a reminder, I think, for a lot of us about you know, whilst we love our husbands and we want them to be there for us and we want them to believe in us, they will sometimes let us down just as we will sometimes let them down because we're all just human. But that ultimately for the believing woman and believing man, for the believing person, reliance and trust is always upon Allah. So what happened? Do, does the prophet comes after her? Yes, then the prophet goes to her because he's a humble man who is willing to make amends with his wife. Absolutely. Uh -huh. Do we have? Do we know more about uh, the the meetings? 
Uh, beyond this, it's not something that I have found. <laughs> I mean, we do have, I mean, I, I think that sadly that's probably something lost because this kind of question is the question that I think only a woman would ask. And sadly, because our Islamic tradition has been primarily now preserved and um, interrogated by men, we've had the questions that men ask being relayed most. Sophia, uh, here's the deal. Um, yes. So we know that the Prophet uh, loved Aisha. Do yeah. we know that Aisha also loved him? Oh yes. I mean, the fact that she is that she stays committed to his message after his death, and that she is so um, you know uh, she is she maintains her tie to him by wishing to maintain his his message. I think that's the ultimate um manifestation of her love because if she didn't love the prophet i think it would have been very difficult for her to live out her life with the commitment to his message in the way that she did but also we know in in her lifetime you know she she, she you know like any woman showed signs of jealousy as well when another woman was um you know being talked about by the prophet but, but here's the here's the deal i mean he even didn't have uh, this space of loving any other person uh, besides the prophet because first uh, she was the prophet's wife and mm. then basically she cannot marry or remarry after the mm. prophet's death and be I mean, before was just no question because prophet was the first man and after again no question and we just do not know that uh, whether or not she could have loved anyone. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. <laughs> I think love is much more than just what happens between a man and a woman in that sort of sexual or romantic way. I think that she was a woman who had a lot of love for her community. She had a lot of love for her family. She really dedicated herself to the service of her community. Um, and I think, I mean... I don't know, I could be wrong, but I don't think that for every woman it is the uh, goal to always be in a relationship with a man. And I, I think that actually there was something very liberating in her not having to remarry because then she could stay committed to the things that she does love um, and, and to pursue her interests and other other outlets of love um Sophia so did she have uh, did she have an option to remarry she did not have an option yeah. to remarry. so therefore I understand I, I I'm with you I understand what you're saying on page 38 you're discussing whether a woman nullifies a prayer and yeah. that is really you know stands out for me and other other passages Ooh. um so here's the thing why we are targeting women uh, sexually in this um, statement while we are not talking about men's uh, perhaps unleashed sexual appetite. So why a prayer gets nullified if a woman just walks by and we are not we are punishing women and not men? Mm, yeah, I mean, absolutely. And this was what she stood against. You know, mm -hmm. she also recognized the sexualization and objectification uh, and dehumanization of women when we talk like that about women. Uh, you know, when when it reaches her that, you know, Abu Huraira has said that a woman nullifies the prayer if she walks in front of a person who is in prayer. You know, Aisha is, and, and I, again, you know, in a lot of her responses, 
she demonstrates a certain kind of pedagogy as well. So she doesn't just say, oh, you're wrong, you're talking rubbish. And, you know, she doesn't go on the attack. She simply says, look, you know, the messenger of Allah, so I said, would pray and he would tuck my feet between his hands or his thighs. And then he would push them back when he was prostrating. And I would stretch them forward when he would rise, raise his head from prostration. And this is because they had very small, humble living quarters. And so there wasn't enough space you know, for him to be praying and for her to 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 be able to sit to the side or, or whatever it may be. And in this small, you know, narration, you know, you, you, you really get a sense of this loving uh, in, and intimate picture of how the prophet was with his wife and how his wife was at ease with him such that the Prophet could pray and be in a state of prayer and communion with Allah, whilst at the same time not be making his wife feel like she's dirty, she's in the way, she's breaking his prayer, you know, nothing like this. And there's another similar hadith um, <clears throat> where, uh, you know, it, it, so, someone says that, you know, uh, a, a, a woman uh, along with dogs and donkeys if they come past you while you are praying or you know before you while you are praying then you know they they all nullify the prayer and her response to this is to say do you make us like donkeys and dogs you know and then she goes on to 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 describe how the prophet prayed with her feet tucked between his hands and thighs so <clears throat> you know it's, it's very much anti-prophetic to to have this kind of attitude that women nullify the prayer or that women are especially sexualized or that women should be objectified or that women should be dehumanized this is not the way of the prophet and this is very much what Aisha is 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 uh, committed to to rebuking um and correcting those who who try and say otherwise Sophia, it was a very uplifting, interesting, good conversation. Truly, you are you are a storyteller, <laughs> and you I really pulled really it. Thank you so much. Thank you. So Thank here's you. the thing: um, for it's a signature for our show. At the end of every show, we ask our authors and uh, guests to share something meaningful about peace, about kindness, and compassion. And I wanted to see what is your message. Oh, that's a beautiful way to end the end the session. So this is from my book. I think it's only right that that I that I take something from my book, um, and it's on gentleness. Um, so Aisha mentioned. She says, "I was riding a camel, which was being difficult, and the Prophet peace be upon him remarked, you must be compassionate, for nothing is done with compassion except that it is beautified.'" And nothing is bereft of gentleness except that it is disgraced. And I think that sadly so many people uh, believe that the hallmark of being religious or um, of a particular faith and being committed to that faith, whether that's Islam or otherwise, that one has to be very stern and quite harsh and rule oriented and you know uh, this can lead to policing of others as we have seen throughout this conversation you know this can be a dangerous slippery slide into dehumanization of one another and that really the the core of islam and the core of what it means to be a muslim is to be gentle and is to be an agent of peace and is to be an agent of of establishing 
equality and fairness and justice and mercy and that that is where we attain illumination from that is where we connect great most greatly with our creator and that is how we find that inner light within each of us is is switched on and that is how we turn on the inner light that lives with in, within everyone so that is what i would leave everyone with yes. gentleness I truly enjoyed reading Treasury of Aisha uh, guidance from the beloved of the beloved. And I'm also looking forward to reading your next book, uh, Sophia, about Aisha and hopefully comes about pretty soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sarah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Khoda Hafiz. Khoda Hafiz.